just before I get into the sermon, and interestingly, I don't know how on earth God can, um, God can give Letty the scripture that I had for my sermon this morning in the notices. So she's just wrapping up the notices. We haven't talked about what I'm going to share today. Um, and she then starts quoting the scripture I've got in my... In my and Simon will uh, confirm this because he's going to bring this up in a moment. But, um, just before I get into the sermon, I just want to cover something um, that we're building as we establish ourselves in this place. Uh, Letty gave us a bit of a hint here, but there's three things we're focusing on in the season as we move forward in using this building. Number one is to build community. People need a place where they can belong. You know, if there's a place where they can belong, then they'll feel at home. So a number of things, like the film night that Letty talked about, will be a place to build community, encourage people to bring friends. Um, I don't know what you're like, but I've realised that the circle of people that I know who aren't Christians gets smaller and smaller the older I get. And so actually I need a place where I'm continuing to make connections and encouraging people. It's, it's not, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I don't do church. Oh, we'll come along to something else. So we're trying to build community in this place. So that's one thing we'll be doing. Number two is making disciples, encouraging people. And Letty gave us a hint there when she said, okay, let's take the word, take it home, and let's talk about it over a meal, over a coffee. And so when it says at your place, it's not that you have to organise a meeting. It's just that each week I will keep on sending you three points or whoever's pre speaking, two or three things or four things to talk about from the sermon that week. And you can talk with yourself, with your husband, with your wife, with the children, over the dinner table. Don't think that you can't talk about it because you've got guests there. Why not? Involve them in the conversation, see what they think. And if they then say, oh, can I watch the sermon? You can point them to Facebook or you can point them to a link where they can listen to the recorded sermon later. And then finally, equipping the saints. And we're working on this just in terms of sharing gifts. Things like the gift of prophecy, things like miracles uh, and faith and those kind of things. So we're working on how we will, as a church, encourage and establish people to do these things. Now, I make no apology, but I am still stuck on John 10.10. 10. This is my third week on John 10.10. 10. So just to put this in context, I thought I'd do a little recap on the last two weeks. Not that I'm going to cover all those things, but the highlights. Two weeks ago, I talked about... Yeah, my title for this week, actually, good point, Simon. My title for this week, Identity Crisis. I am sure quite a few people in this room have had their ID taken at some point or other. We live in a world where our ID gets hijacked, whether it's our, our, our finance co connection, so people are, are using our financial details, whether it's somebody pretending to be us, um, whether it's somebody stalking us. There's a lot of that stuff that goes on. So you know, our identity sometimes gets taken over. And sometimes it gets taken over by other people pr presenting to us something um, that they think we are. And so my question before I get into kind of recapping is, what is your identity? Now, if I walked up to you at a cheese and wine party or something else, and uh, I shook your hand, I said, my name's Dave, you'd probably tell me your name. And then having told me your name, you'd probably tell me where you live or what you do. And uh, then what happens when the job goes? Maybe you change your job or you're a season or you retire or you, know, you get made redundant. Suddenly, has your identity disappeared? Oh, well, I'm a nobody because I'm, I don't work in the library anymore or whatever you, it is the job that you do. Or let's say health. 
maybe you're a real fitness fanatic and for some reason you have to have a bit of surgery or break a leg when you're playing rugby or something. And suddenly, oh, I'm not a rugby player because I'm, I'm walking with a limp or I'm, I'm, I'm recovering. You know, our identity is not in health. Our identity is not in the job that we do. We have an identity. And so I'm going to come with a title this morning. It says, are we having an identity crisis? But before I get there, let me recap. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes not except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Two pieces. The enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. When we sense those kind of things going on in our life, let's just recognise the strategy of the enemy to take from us, to steal from us. But then Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So my recap is this. Two weeks ago, I spoke on horizons. Where are you looking? What direction are you looking at? Is your horizon focused on your feet, on the things that are happening now, or is it focused on something further ahead? Is it focused on your destiny? Is it focused on eternity? And then I also talked about anchors and said, okay, what are you anchored in? Are you anchored in your family? Are you anchored in your identity and who you are or are you anchored in God are you anchored in Christ are you anchored in Christ's love for you and the Holy Spirit and then last week I spoke about our life do we love life that's the first thing do we love life because if we don't love life we all walk around like miserable so-and-sos oh how's your day well it's okay thank you very much but if we love life then we embrace it. We leap up in the morning. And I don't know whether you're a leap up of bed person or whether you're a gradually get to the day person. But embrace life. And then I wanted to take it further and go from I love life to I love my life. And then one step even further. I love my life in Christ. <coughs> and all of this is with that sense of abundance. So I go back now to John 10, 10, 10 and read it in context from John chapter 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it all the more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the gate. I am the shepherd. That's what Jesus says to us. And so if our identity is found in Christ, then our identity is deeply rooted in the shepherd, the one who looks for us, the one who we look to follow, the one who we look to be like. And this is where Letty managed to connect the notices with my sermon. Because John, even Jesus was tested. Even his identity was tested. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 17, just to put this in context. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We are children of the king. We are children of God. And so don't you hope one day to hear... This is my beloved child in who I am well pleased. I I remember saying in the week, I was talking about how Billy Graham said, um, I hope I hear a well done, good and faithful servant. 
And I'm thinking as he's gone to be with the Lord, I thought, man, if that if he can question whether he has done all he should have done, I have to up my game. If he can say, I'm not sure whether I've done all I should have done, so will I get a well done, good and faithful servant? I think, oh, I'm going to breathe deeply and up my game. Just get more into God. Find my identity in him. Because... Um, Having heard this particular scripture, this is my beloved son in whom whom I am well pleased. Then in Matthew 4, Jesus is tested. And we read from verses 3 to 10. I'm not going to read all of it. But uh, then the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. This was a testing. If you are the son of God. Are you sure you're the son of God? These are the kind of tests the enemy loves to bring. Are you sure? Are you sure you're saved? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then almost in a moment, the devil comes to test and he says, okay, if you are the son of man, command these stones to become bread. And what does Jesus say? He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Getting hold of who we are in Christ. And then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give the angels charge over you. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him up in an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Jesus, even he was tested. Having just been encouraged, now he's tested. I wonder if he had an identity crisis. I think about on the cross when he's hanging there, he said, if it be your will. And he asks the father, you know, just if it's your will, then I'll follow it. But if it be your will. And so my first question to us this morning is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Psalm 139. One of my wife's favourite scriptures, actually, Psalm 139. But in Psalm 139, verse 14, it says this. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Do you know deep within yourself that you were created by God, and he created you in his image? So you are not a mistake. You are not an afterthought. I don't know what you see when you look in the mirror, but sometimes, you know, I read in papers people getting things injected in their faces to get rid of wrinkles and things. And I think, well, we're all getting older. I hate to tell you this, church, but we're all getting older. And that means a few more wrinkles, a few more grey hairs, or a few less hairs in some cases, like me. But we're all getting older. It's happening. Even if you're two, you are still getting older. And at two, it's seen as a positive thing. At 62 or 72 or 52... We start to go, oh dear, I'm getting a bit older. 
And so we have these things where people are now starting to put some things in their faces to try and stop the wrinkles. And I look at some of these faces that I see now and see, yeah, the face is gone. The smile has gone. It's all now just fixed. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, if we're not happy with who we are, then we're never going to be happy with God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If we're not happy with who we are, and I'm not saying we can't change you know, our na- uh, the way we think and those kind of things, but if we start saying, okay, I, I, need, I need, take me as an example, I need a hair transplant. No, I don't need a hair transplant. I'm just losing my hair. It's just, you know, I can look at myself in the mirror and say, okay, I have a few less hairs. That's okay. That's not a problem. But as soon as we start looking at ourselves in the mirror and say, I can do a better job, I'll go to a doctor and I'll get some of these things sorted out. I think we're on a, a slippery slope because we're saying I'm not satisfied. Now, I'm not saying don't put makeup on. I don't wear makeup. Um, but, 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 you know, if, 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 that, if, if, that, if that helps, that's fine. But, but, but when we get to a place where we are so focused on changing the way we are, we're saying we're not satisfied with ourselves. And you and I have seen pictures of people who have changed themselves so much that they are, excuse the word, monsters. You know, they just don't look like... Um, you know. and, and it's just because they keep on going and keep on going. And we never get to a place where we're happy. Godly contentment is great gain. Zig Ziglar said this, uh, a well-known um, philosopher said this, the greatest single cause of poor self-image is the absence of unconditional love. The greatest cause of poor self-image is the absence of unconditional love. Now, if we don't have unconditional love in our lives, you know, we have a place where we're thinking, okay, I only need to use the love that I have in scarce ways. Okay, I'll, allow, I'll draw some love towards me today, but I won't draw too much. Because it might run out. And then I have to make myself perfect so that I can be loved. You know, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. But who are we? Who do we say that we are? Who does God say that we are? In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. For you are all sons of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. For we're all sons and daughters of the living God. I think I've probably told this story before now, but I think it's relevant here, so I'm going to tell it again. No, no apologies here, but do we all know Prince Charles? It's a bit of a trick question. Do we all know Prince Charles? We know about him. I mean, for example, how many people, how many people online or in the room have actually met and shaken hands with Prince Charles? No, no nobody. So, so I would ask the question, do we know him? We know about him. We know of him. But, you know, if we walked up to him and said, hello, Charles, how are you? He'd probably look at us and say, who are you? So we, we have a sense we know about him. But this story goes back a long time because it was when Prince Charles was a little boy. And Prince Philip was receiving some guests. 
And the story is told by a, 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 a leader of a charity. I can't remember the name, but he, was, he made an appointment to see Prince Philip. And he was going to the palace and he had an appointment to see Prince Philip. And he went and sat in the waiting room and he had an appointment at two o'clock. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, courtiers, I guess, uh, came up to him and said, Prince Philip's running a bit late. So the meeting was meant to be at two o'clock and he was told it was going to last 40 minutes. He had 40 minutes to talk to Prince Philip and that was it. And so he planned out what he was going to say very carefully. And now they said, I'm sorry, Prince Philip's running late. So, um, and he's got another appointment afterwards. So you're only going to have 30 minutes. And then at 10 past two, the courtier says, well, uh, we're going to take you in the room. But Prince Philip's not quite got there yet. So he took him into the room. Prince Philip came in and they greeted one another and started talking. Um, and Prince Philip got talking about some stuff. And he still didn't get a chance to talk about what he wanted to share. Now it's 20 past two. And 20 past two, he started to talk about his charity and share with Prince Philip about his charity. And just about half past, a little boy burst into the room and said, Daddy, my train doesn't work. And it was Prince Charles. And he just ran into the room. And it was, and Prince Philip just turned to his son and dealt with his son's train and then sent him off again. Um, and the picture I'm trying to give you is that we don't need to wait outside the waiting room with God. We have access straight away. We are like children of the living God. We can burst in. And say, Daddy, help. We, we, we don't need to do the Victorian thing that says, okay, I will stand, wait until I'm spoken to. You know, that's sometimes how we picture God. We sometimes picture God that he's, when he says, okay, what do you want to say, son? You know, the father's relationship is, no, come in and tell me. And so when I read this, for you are all the sons of God, I read that in the context of someone like a little child running into the, the prince's presence and saying, Daddy, I need help with my train. Daddy, I need help with my life. Daddy, I need help with running in and saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. So our identity is in Christ. And in Ephesians, in Ephesians 3, which is not in the slide, Simon, in Ephesians 3, 16 to 21, I want to encourage, the first point I want to do is to encourage you to embrace the power. Embrace the power of Christ in you. To embrace who you are in Christ. Not to leave it, not to forget it, not to think, okay, who am I? I am a child of the living God. And as a child of the living God, I can embrace who I am in Christ. And we can lay hold of the power. Because when we lay hold of the power, then we can lay hold of the promise. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 20, our identity is in Christ and we stand firm in that. And standing firm is a very positive statement in Scripture. Standing firm is like the stance of a boxer. Standing firm is not standing up straight with your hands behind. Standing firm is like this, ready to fight. Standing firm is, I am ready. And so when we stand firm, we will not be knocked over. If I want to take somebody back to the 70s, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Some people in the room remember that. For, for younger generation in the room, you don't understand that at all. There were these little things that had heavy balls in the bottom. And when you knocked them over, they went down and they came straight back up again. You could never knock them down. You know, if we will just stand firm, we can be knocked. We can be punched. We can have a battle. But we will come back in Christ who strengthens us. Our identity is in Christ. And we need to stand firm in that identity. So we have the power, we have the promise, and now let's claim the victory. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 57 and 58, right on the turn of my page, but thanks be to God, 
who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. And I want to say this morning, these statements, these are choices. We choose to be steadfast. We choose to be reliable. Sometimes we're right on the cusp. Shall I, shan't I? Shall I, shan't I? Well, if we're going to choose to be steadfast, we shall. We shall. We'll try. Uh, a lady who used to be in the church who's gone to be with the Lord now, Irene, she used to, I'd say things like, see you next Sunday. And she said, God willing. Said, oh, oh, can I help you? Do you need any assistance? She said, no, I can manage. God willing. And Emily, who used to come to our senior citizens, she was 93 when she went to be with the Lord. She lived in Grove Court. And uh, her knees weren't too good. She'd struggled to get out of the chair. And so she had a chair with two solid arms on, so she could use her arms to get herself up. And she said to me many times, she said, you know what, sometimes when I'm on my own, I can't get out of the chair. She said, I feel like the chair becomes my prison. And she, she said, then I ask Father to help me. She said, I remind myself of the scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I don't, for most of us in the room, getting out of the chair is an insignificant thing. But for Emily, it was a daily prayer point. She'd sit in the chair and she'd say, I need a cup of tea now, Lord. You're going to have to help me to get out of the chair. And she said, without question, somewhere, somehow, extra strength came. The joints moved a little more smoothly. But she said, without fail, when she said, Christ help me, Lord help me, she got out of the chair. Not just once, not just twice, a daily basis experience. Now we have food on our table. Thank goodness we have food on our table. Have plenty of food on our table. There have been people in the church who've testified to over the years and said they've sat down to a meal with no food in the fridge, no food in the cooker. They've laid the table and they've taken, held hands together and they prayed. And then there's been a knock on the door. Somebody turned up with a basket full of stuff. Not the morning before, just as they're sitting down to have the meal, which they've laid in expectation. Now, I don't know where you'd be on that scale. I don't know whether you'd, you'd say, well, there's no point in laying the table because we haven't got anything to eat today. But they laid the table in expectation, said, God will provide. We have prayer. They took hands together and they prayed, and God provided. Now, that, that's a daily faith. That's a daily faith experience. You know, and I, I think God calls us to live by faith on a daily basis. Is faith something that we put away on the shelf or put into a library and say, I'll pull it down when I need it, and I'll need it once in a while? Or is it something that we use every day or every hour? God so loves us. So we, we, we claim the power, we claim the promise, and then we claim the victory. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, be steadfast, be immovable, always be abounding. There's a lovely word, abounding. It's not a small thing. Abounding is not a... Abounding for me is a picture almost like a volcanic eruption. Just imagine what's going on in Hawaii right now. No one can stop it. You know, in one sense, it's a very scary thing when you see pictures of people who had to leave their homes. And you can't, you can't build a wall. 
You can't build. It's not. It's not like um, the floods that we had in Somerset. I don't know whether you remember this, but there, there was a farmer who had a house, and he just built this new house on his land, and he built a, a, um, a wall, a mud wall around his house. And as the Somerset levels flooded, you saw this island of his house in the middle of the floods. You you can't do that with lava. You can't build a wall and say, okay, we'll stop the lava. It's going to keep on coming. It's, it melts things. It burns things. And so, you know, you know that constant flow. Now, I just have that picture of the love of God will, will meet resistance, but the love of God will overcome. Yeah, and you and I can all think of people who say, thank you very much, I don't want to go to church, or don't tell me about your God or your gospel. I don't want to know. But you know what the love of God will overcome? If we will abound in love, then I am sure we will see change. If we will abound in love, I am sure we will see victory. So, let me go back to the question at the beginning. Are we having an identity crisis? Who are we in Christ? Are we a child of the living God? Is it evident on the outside or is it something we just feel on the inside? Is it something waiting to burst forth, abounding in love? Are we steadfast and immovable. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that we can have an identity in you. Our identity is not found in our past. It's not limited to our past. And even our past can be rewritten in the light of heaven. So, Father, help us to get our eyes fixed on you and who we are in you. Help us to open our hearts to your love and be changed. Help us to open our lives to your Holy Spirit and be filled. Help us, O oh God, to be more like your son Jesus. Help the light that is in us burn more brightly. Help the light that is in us shine more brightly. To those we love, to those we live with, to those we work with, those we come alongside. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, Love the Lord your God and then love your neighbour as yourself. The key was love. And if you are a pot, if you are a jug, if you are a vessel to be filled, then today is a day to be filled with his love. Steadfast and secure, full of his love. What an amazing identity that would be. Who do people say you are? Is it a disciple of Christ? Is it a lover of God? Is it someone full of the Holy Spirit? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
Let me encourage you with that scripture and speak that over you and declare that over you for those listening online, for those listening later, for those in the room. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I really want to go in prayer. I want to go to some ouch places today. As I say those words, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of us will think, yes, but not in this area. And I want to bring, and I'm going to ask you to think about those things. Think about the things where you go, yes, but not here. And that might be at work, or that might be in a relationship, or that might be with your family, but... I can do all things but. I just sense God wants to place his hand upon your shoulder. God wants to comfort you and strengthen you and say, I am with you. I walk with you. And as, as the Bible says, open your mouth and I will fill it. And sometimes we need to leap off the bridge of faith and just open our mouths and see what God will say. Some of us need to know the end of the sentence before we begin the beginning of the sentence. Sometimes I sense that's just where God wants to take us to a place of faith. You start the conversation and I will finish it, he says. Steadfast and strong. And I want to come back again. and I, I don't know why I'm coming back to it again, but... Something sometimes God repeats things in, in Scripture. He sometimes He repeats things a number of times, and I prayed about this uh, two weeks ago. For the things that have been spoken over you, for the things that you've absorbed in your ears and allowed them to become part of who you are, maybe today is a time to put down those sayings, to put them down, to leave them at the foot of the cross where they belong. Allow those past weaknesses, those past perceptions, those past labels to be nailed to the cross and remain at the cross. You'll never be any good at this. Oh, he can't do that. She can't do that. Sometimes these things define our lives for decades, if not even multiple decades. And it's not that God changes history, but he gives us a different perspective. If we get our eyes on the right horizon, if we get anchored in the things that we're anchored in, then suddenly our perspective changes. Speak to the mountain and it will be moved. Now sometimes if we just get a perspective, that mountain becomes a molehill just because we stand up. That mountain becomes a molehill because we step away and we get a different perspective. That mountain becomes a molehill because we now look back with hindsight, we realise we are children of God, we are children of the King. And consequently, those words that were said no longer have the impact that they used to have. We can be set free from the shackles of curses. We can be set free from the shackles 
are things that would hold us. Let's lay hold of the promises of who we are in Christ. Let's lay hold of prophetic words that God has spoken into our lives, to us and through us, and see his will done in our lives. I just want to kind of close out my time of prayer this morning. I just sense God wants to strengthen a few people. I sense God wants to strengthen a few people. And this is not just in mind. I sense God wants to strengthen some minds. There are some things you have to choose. And even as I'm speaking right now, even as I'm praying right now, you know that I'm talking to you. Would you stand? I'm just going to pray for you. Where, where, where there's a resolve that you have. You want to make a stance in a certain situation. You want to make a stand. You want to be steadfast and you're struggling. I'm not going to ask who it is or what it is. God knows. I'm going to keep my eyes closed, but God knows. If that's you, would you stand right now? That you have to make a stand in something. It's a mind thing. And there's some of us who need to make a a heart thing and, and and the heart thing is maybe we just feel we don't have enough love for somebody enough love for the situation enough love to see us through i want to remind each of those who's thinking that right now you're tapped into the the endless reservoir of god's steadfast love the steadfast love of the lord never ceases new every morning and so if you feel that there's a circumstance that you are walking into where your heart is running dry, the love is running out, you, you're struggling. It's a heart thing. Would you stand? Because I just sense God wants to reconnect you with the reservoir of love that he is. So those who are with minds, those, and then thirdly, steadfast and strengthening. I just sense there's a number of people who have weakened muscles, weakened cartilages, Weakened tendons. Some who have back problems. Some who have problems holding things. The fingers don't work quite as they should do. Some who have ankles that don't quite stand up to um, the rigours of walking. You're kind of walking around tentatively because you're worried about your ankle giving way. I sense the Lord wants to strengthen backs, knees... Uh, hands and feet and if that's you would you stand I'm going to pray so those who, who want to take a stand in a, head, in a head thing those who want to give love more than they sense they have and those who need a physical strengthening I'm going to pray I'm going to pray Lord you are God of all you're a God of miracles and Lord, you're a God of miracles in this place. Lord, you have done miracles here and you will do them again. And so, Father, I pray for those people who are standing, those who are listening online, those who are listening later, for those who are standing right now. Father, firstly, would you strengthen minds? Lord, would you bring a spiritual resolve? Would you bring a strengthening of foundation, Lord God? Lord, would you bring a, a clarification, Lord, of how to make a stance, of how to... Take a stand for righteousness, for good, for life, for, for family, for Lord, to take that stand. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would grace those that are standing who just need a strengthened mindset. 
Father, for those who are in situations where just love seems to keep on running dry. And I particularly see someone who's loving and serving someone right now. And you know, sometimes you just want to go, oh, just pull yourself together. You know, I just sense God just turns the faucet on, turns the tap on of his love towards you right now to fill you up with his love. Fill us up, Lord God, with your love, that we know the power of your presence in our lives. And Father, finally, I pray for a miracle. I pray for a miracle in bodies today. Lord, for ankles that need strengthening, for backs that need uh, realigning and, and, and reaffirming, for cartilage, and Lord God, that needs the oil of your spirit, Lord God. But Father, would you grow cartilages where cartilages don't exist, where they need to be? Um, Father, would you just grow muscles where muscles need to be strengthened and revitalized and renewed? Lord, would you confound doctors and do a miracle, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.